Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. You know, in this day and age, we've got a lot of voices coming at us. We've got people from the media, people from our Facebook streams and Instagram and neighbors and you know, there's a lot of concern and worry and a lot of doom and gloom that's out there. But God has something for us that is different than everything else that we're listening to right now. And it's hope. God has given us hope. And so today I want to share with you a message that's all about this hope we have. And I pray and I hope that it really encourages you. Of all the voices there are in our world today and all the things that you can listen to, God wants us to hear Him in this season, and His Word will always be the final say on whatever's going on around us. We also want you to stick through till the end of this message, because at the end, we're going to release a new song from some of our team called Safe. I heard this the other day, and I just know that this is a prophetic word for us in this season. It's going to help encourage you and lift you. So stick around through the whole message, and at the end, you're going to hear this song, because trust me, it's going to get you worshiping. It's going to get you praising. It's going to help you keep right perspective in your heart. Come on, would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you that you have answers for us when we are searching and needing hope, when we're needing restoration and even just perspective on how to view the world today. We thank you, God, that you have answers for us. So, Lord, I pray as our time together here today that my words would be your words. I really don't have the words to give people to help bring what only you can bring. Only you have the words of life. And so, Father, we come around your word. We cling to you today, knowing that you have life for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I often get asked, um, I have lately, and not just me, but Romy gets asked this, and I've heard this story come from a lot of people in our church. Why are you different? Why do you seem to be handling what's happening in our world very differently? And they're asking us, why is it that you have hope? This doesn't seem like a very hopeful world and hopeful situation, yet they tell us this doesn't seem to bother you. And I know what they're saying. It's not that we're, you know, impervious to the things of this world or that I have some super immune system that's uh, not going to, where viruses don't affect me, but I do have hope. And what they're hearing from us and what they're sensing from the people who have caught on to this revival culture that's happening in our church and is happening in our city. By the way, I'm hearing more and more stories of this revival that's happening in people across our country right now. What they're asking is, why do you have hope when everything else seems hopeless? So I want to share with you some scriptures today, mostly two scriptures we're going to look at in our time together. And the first one comes from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. This has been really kind of a a life verse for me that God had impressed on me when I read this years ago that I knew this was going to be a significant verse for me for the rest of my life. And I'm reading from the NIV. 
It says, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Give a reason. Peter's writing to us here. He's writing to Christians who are saying, and he's telling them, you have a hope that other people don't have, but they need it. They're going to see it. And when they do, you need to be prepared to give a reason for that hope. And so I determined in my life, I want to make sure that I'm not just living with hope, but I can actually explain why I have hope and where that hope comes from. So the second scripture we're going to read today is Hebrews chapter 6. I love reading the Bible. It's one of my favorite things to do. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. You're going to love this. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, it says, When God made His promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. This is a message of hope. And it's a familiar verse to a lot of people is that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Sometimes it's great to have an anchor. If you're a boat at sea and you are just getting tossed back and forth by the wind and the waves, sometimes having an anchor in the right place will keep you firm and keep you secure. That hope is the anchor for us that we don't just go drifting off and influenced so much by the wind and the waves that we end up in a place where we never planned. Sometimes because of what's happening, if we don't have an anchor, then we end up in a place of fear and anxiety and depression and worry. If you're facing that today, I want to encourage you that there is hope for you, just like there's hope for me, just like there's hope for all of us. But in this scripture, the writer of Hebrews talks about two unchanging things. He says this hope is an anchor for our soul, and he says this hope is based on two unchanging things. What are those two things? Well, he states right here, it's God's purpose and it's the oath. You know, oaths are a funny thing. We, we don't really take a lot of oaths these days, but if you were to go to testify in court, they would have you put your hand on a Bible or a Koran or whatever it is that you choose, but you would hold one hand in the air and put one hand on the Bible and you would declare an oath to tell the truth. And when you declare that oath, you're obligated to tell that truth. And if you don't, it's a crime called perjury. So you are putting yourself under oath, forcing yourself to tell the truth. You see, when God makes an oath with us, He does what He says. And what's God's oath here? He talks about the oath He made to Abraham. But we are actually children of that same promise that he gave to Abraham 
by faith. And the oath is, Abraham, I will surely bless you. Surely. That's God's oath to us. I will bless you. What a great encouragement for us. Now, I'll be honest. God didn't, he did not need to make an oath. God didn't need to make one. His word was enough. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's God. But our hope is not just because of the oath. It's because of the one making the oath. You know, I don't know if, if you uh, have been through the process of buying a used car before, and I'm not knocking on used car salesmen. If this is your business, that's great. But I've been a part of buying used cars or other things where you're dealing with the salesman, and you're always thinking, I don't know if this guy's telling me the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Because sometimes when somebody's trying to sell you something, they're telling you what they think you want to hear so that you purchase the product. Now, God's not like that. You see, I can't always trust a salesman because I know they have some sort of ulterior, ulterior motive. <clears throat> but when it comes to God, He didn't need to make an oath. He knew that if I just say it, it's going to happen. You see, this is not a used car salesman we're dealing with. We are dealing with the one who said, let there be light, and we have had light ever since. Just with His spoken world, he created the universe. God spoke worlds into being. I think his word is enough. But yet God still made an oath with us through Abraham. Why would God do that? Why would God need to swear by himself to declare an oath to us? Well, it states here, he did it so that his purpose would be made clear. God doesn't just want to make empty promises. And God doesn't just want us to trust Him. That's a big component of this. God wants us to understand His purpose. So what's God's purpose? God's purpose, He tells Abraham in that oath, is that I will surely bless you, and through you I will bless the nations. He says, Abraham, many nations on earth will be blessed through you. You see, the blessing intended for Abraham wasn't just for him, but it was through that blessing that God would use Abraham to be a blessing to the nations. That's the bigger part of the promise. We are children of that promise. God's purpose was not just Abraham's prosperity, but it's that through Abraham, all nations on earth shall be blessed. Some people call that blessed to be a blessing, and it's true. We're meant to bless others, but it's more than that. God didn't just want to use Abraham as a conduit to be a blessing, to say nice things to people. But God's purpose for us is also our adoption. Did you know that? That God wants to adopt you into his family. What a great promise. That's his purpose. His purpose is not to tell you all the things that you've done wrong. His purpose isn't to point out all the ways you don't measure up. His purpose is our adoption as sons and daughters into his family. In fact, it was such a great purpose of his that the only way we could do that is if he made a sacrifice for us to cover our sin. Our sin is just all the ways that we are not perfect. 
I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. I'm well aware of my imperfections. But God is perfect and we're not. And our sin is not just the bad things we've done. It's our lack of perfection, the thing that separates us from Him. But God made a way for us because adoption is the purpose. So He sent His Son, His own Son, who lived a blameless life to die for us and take our sin on His body, to take our sickness on His body, to take COVID-19 on His body. And that if we would believe in Him, it's by grace through faith that we're saved. It means that God has provided grace for us, the power for us to be healed and saved from our sins. And our faith is what accesses that grace. And because of that, we who were imperfect by nature can be made perfect by the blood of Jesus and adopted into his family. And that is the basis of our hope. It's the oath that he made to us, but it's God's purpose that's revealed in that oath. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ and according to his pleasure and will. These two unchanging things are why we have hope. It's the oath and it's his purpose. Our hope is tied to the oath. We are children of promise, not objects of wrath. Our hope is tied to his purpose, our adoption into God's family so that he can display his glory through us. When we have this hope, something very interesting happens. And again, we're talking about being able to give a reason for the hope that we profess. And I'm giving you the reason for my hope. But hope does something very interesting. It changes your perspective. You begin to see things differently. You know, I was thinking about the way God does this in us. When God works in us through His Holy Spirit, when we've surrendered our heart to Him, it does two things. It changes the way we view the world, but it also changes the world that we see. The faith that God gives us has the ability to change our perspective, but the power God gives us actually has the ability to change the things that we do see. We had the power to change this world. We have the power to reverse the effects of COVID and declare an end to it in Jesus' name. So sometimes God just needs to change my perspective, and sometimes God wants to use me that declaring by the name of Jesus to change what the world is that I see. Does that make sense? Sometimes I need changing, and sometimes the world needs changing. God gives us the power to do both. But I thought about this, how hope gives us a new perspective. And this is what I thought about it. Many of you have loved ones who are now in heaven. They've passed on. You know, my brother passed away, um, I think, eight years ago, about eight and a half years ago. Uh, suddenly, he passed away of a heart attack. And, you know, there's moments when I often think about, what does he see? And there's moments like this, and this is my honest thought. My brother's name is Chris. I think, how does Chris view COVID-19? And I'm asking this because he is seeing it from the perspective of heaven in full. Does that make sense? 
And he is viewing our present circumstances from the perspective of heaven. And so this just helps me think about it. I'm not praying to him. I'm not, you know what I mean? It's nothing, nothing weird like that. But I think, what does he see? How would he view my present circumstances? Because he has it from heaven's perspective. I want to view things from the perspective of heaven. And Jesus prayed something very interesting. He said, when you pray, I want you to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's interesting. He says we can pray on earth as it is in heaven, which means we can have heaven now. The goal for God is not to get us to endure here on the earth and get to heaven. God is less concerned about getting people to heaven as he is about getting heaven into people. You see, we can have heaven now. Heaven on earth. A big theme of our church here at Seashore is more of heaven because God wants more of heaven in our world today. Now, my, my brother is in the full heaven, but heaven has come here. It's the kingdom of God of which the church is a part. It fits into it. Not just Seashore Church. I'm talking about the church, the body of believers who have put their faith in Jesus. And when we see things from heaven's perspective, when heaven has come into us, we see not just what my brother sees, we see what Jesus sees. And we see from his perspective. And I tell you what, heaven's not really so concerned about COVID-19. That may sound... Uh, cruel, that may sound uh, uncaring, but it's not because they see the end of this. They're seeing time as one continuum, not as past, present, and future. Time exists in heaven, but not like we know it today. And so we know that this is actually a light and momentary trouble that we're meant to endure and use this as an opportunity to give people hope. And so my hope is that you would get hope today by gaining heaven's perspective. You see, when I get heaven's perspective on this, by the way, there is no COVID-19 in heaven, if you're concerned about that. When we get heaven's perspective, we do see things differently. Because we see things differently, we respond differently. When others hoard, we give. When others panic, we pray. When our 401k crashes, this is for somebody, don't look at your 401k. Don't even look at it. Let it ride. Just let it sit there. Don't call your financial planner. This, just let it ride. Don't even look at it right now. Trust God, don't even look at it right now. That's for somebody. I don't know who it is. Maybe it's for me. But when we have heaven's perspective, when our 401k crashes, we know that we have treasure stored up in heaven. And I want to make sure that I am building the treasure that will withstand the end of days because it's in heaven as well. How do I do that? It's by getting the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to as many people as possible. But our perspective changes. You know, my wife Romy, just yesterday, she won't tell this story, but I will. And trust me, she would not tell this story. But she was in the grocery store yesterday, a food line right down the road from our house. And she's standing in line. And I know for many of you, you've been to the grocery store. It's kind of weird. You don't want to touch the handle on the thing. And you see people in the aisles and you start kind of checking people out. Did they just cough? Did, did they just sneeze? And they look like they might have a fever. And you, you almost start avoiding people a little bit. And yet it's not who we are. It's, it's odd. 
It's weird to go to a grocery store and try to stay six feet apart from people. And there's a, a visible tension that's happening in the grocery stores. I don't know if you felt it, but I have. And so Romy goes to check out and she asks the cashier, she says, can you give me another $20 in cash, but you, can you divide it up into, you know, four or $5 bills? And the lady's like, oh, okay, and whatever. And, you know, the person behind her in line is six feet away. And so she gives her these $5 bills, these four or $5 bills. And she gives one of them to the cashier. And then she says, could you reach across and give another $5 to the cashier beside you? And then the other one over here, all the cashiers that were working got five bucks. Now it's $5. This wasn't a major deposit. We weren't given $1,000 checks. But Marami just looked at this person and said, I love Jesus. And I'm doing this because I want you to know that he loves you. And he sees your need. And we all are so grateful for the work that you're putting in, risking yourself with all the exchange of cash and money. And I just want to give this to you as a way of saying Jesus sees you and Jesus loves you. And can I tell you, there wasn't a dry eye in that place. People were in line and they started crying. Not because some woman had this great act of love, partially it, but because they suddenly saw things from heaven's perspective. You see, if I'm not seeing from heaven's perspective, I'm like, I might need that 20 bucks to buy some toilet paper down the road. But when we can see things from heaven's perspective, when others hoard, we give. When others curse, we bless. It's a lot of stuff on social media blasting people for not strictly staying by the guidelines of what the government's put out. And I appreciate the guidelines and we're sticking to them too, but Let's not beat people up over it. Let's be giving people hope, not getting on them because they did or didn't follow rules. Does that make sense? But I saw that in that story, when Romy's telling me that story, there's people that just begin to have their perspective changed. They saw a glimmer of hope. Hey, when you get hope, you not only change your perspective, but you begin to change the perspective of everyone around you. Our world needs hope today, and our hope is in Jesus. He's given us an oath. He's displayed his purpose for us, and we can live with that hope today. That one scripture says that with hope I enter the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Do you know what that refers to? That's the Holy of Holies in the temple that represents the very presence of God, and the only person that could go in there was the high priest once a year. But yet, when we have hope, we can go to that same place. We can go to the place of God's presence, the most holy place that there ever was. When we have hope, it enters into the inner sanctuary for us. Hope will give you access to things that other people don't have. Hope will give you access to the presence of God. No money can buy that. No social media following can buy that. Nothing can, but hope can. It'll access the presence of God when you get it into you. You know, when I enter into that realm, I actually think of that as entering into a spiritual realm. Like you begin to see things in the spirit that have always been there, but you won't see it with your natural eyes. When I have hope in Jesus, it's like the veil gets lifted and I see what's really happening behind the scenes in the spiritual realm. 
you'll begin to see that there's a spirit driving this COVID-19, not just the virus itself, but there's a spirit of fear and a spirit of anxiety that is driving people right now. And it's not from God. It's from the enemy, the devil. And when you have hope, you see beyond the veil and you see the spirit that's behind it and it'll sharpen your prayer life. You can stay alert and you can say, ah, now I know how to pray. In Jesus' name, I come against the spirit of fear. I come against the spirit of depression. I come against the spirit of anxiety and it leaves. That's what hope does. It sees behind the curtain. You know, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 also says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace, expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We are seated with Him. Not we will be. This is not, if you have hope, when you die, you'll be seated with Christ. The writer of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, says God has raised us and we are seated with Christ. We're already there. When you put your hope and your faith in Jesus, you have the veil lifted, you see things in the Spirit you couldn't see before, and you're seated with Christ. You already have heaven's perspective. Sometimes you have the blinders in front of you of the economic crisis, of the health crisis, and you just got to remove the blinders and realize, I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm seated with Christ. I see what He sees. That's what hope does for us. Get some hope today. You know, I'm going to finish with this. That verse that we started with today, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says to set apart your heart to Jesus as Lord. Set apart. If you want to develop hope, and if you want to be able to explain why you have this hope, it requires you to set your heart apart for God. The Bible says that God is a jealous God. He'll have no other gods before Him. And all an idol is, or another God, is anything that takes preeminence over God. Anything that you've allowed to dominate your thinking, to dominate your emotions, that is not God becomes an idol in your life. So if you watch the news and you start fearing what's coming, the news has become your idol. Bad news can become your idol. And God will have no other idols before Him. Hope will help you eliminate that stuff, but you have to set your heart apart. Who's ruling in your heart right now? Who has the preeminence in your thinking, in your emotions? You know, I realize that being prepared to give a reason for the hope I have for me as a pastor is a whole lot less about sermon preparation than it is about heart preparation. I need to make sure that I have placed my heart in the right place, that I have prepared my heart by setting it apart. You know, each night when I go to bed, I want to make sure that before I go to sleep, I've, I've set my heart apart. I like to read news all the time, and I caught myself going to bed at night on my iPad just reading the news, making sure I had the last bit of news. And then I leaned over to my wife, and she's reading her Bible. And I saw what she was doing was setting her heart apart. I went, all right, that's, that's it, God. I'm not going to read news at night anymore. I want to set my heart apart. I want to set my affections on you. And I want that to be the last thing in my mind when I go to sleep. And when I wake up in the morning 
and the thoughts of the day begin to flood in, the to-do list, all the things you got to fix that you didn't fix yesterday, I want to stop and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to set apart my heart in the morning before I begin my day. You know, my daughter came to me the other day. She's 12 years old. And she said, Dad, do you remember when I was little and you'd come in and wake me up in the mornings, but you would wake me up just by gently rubbing my shoulder or stroking my hair, and I would just put my head in your lap? It was only about three or four minutes, but as I woke up, you just kind of were affectionate towards me. And I was like, yeah. She goes, you stopped doing that. Now you just kind of come in and go, all right, get up, time for school. She goes, do you think you could wake me up like that again? And I realized that's what the Lord wants for us, is that when we wake up, we receive His affection and we pour out our affection on Him. When my heart is set, my eloquent words are much less important. You know, I learned that lesson pretty valuably when uh, I had one of my neighbors, a friend of mine, who uh, had not yet made a decision to follow Jesus. And I had been praying for this guy for a while. Uh, we actually saw quite a revival in our neighborhood, which is a story that Romy and I will tell another day. But we saw a lot of people in a brief period of time give their hearts to Jesus. But this one neighbor had not yet made that decision. And he's kind of like, I thought this would be the first, but he hadn't yet. I'm talking about eloquent words and the difference between just living with hope with a heart set apart and having all the right things to say. So I remember one day, you know, we were walking back from the bus stop when we dropped the kids off at the bus stop. And I just kind of sensed that this was an opportunity to share the gospel with him. And I was thinking about this verse, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we profess. And so I began to share the gospel with him. And hey, look, it was good. Like this is the best gospel presentation I think I had ever done. Like one-on-one, -on -one, I'm saying stuff and I'm like, man, this is good. Like I'm, I'm laying out Bible verses and applications and there's this connection that's happening and this is about as good as I could possibly present the gospel to somebody. It was polished, it was sincere. It was emotional, and I'm like, this is it. This guy's going to do it. I, I can't preach better than this. I can't, like in a one-on-one -on -one setting, I, I don't know how to present the gospel any better than this. And so I got really excited. I felt the, the excitement building up inside of me, and I said, hey, I'll tell you what. We can do this right now if you want. We can pray a prayer right now, and you can give your heart to Jesus, and He'll come in and forgive you of your sins. He'll fill you with the Holy Spirit, and your life will never be the same. What do you think? And He looked at me and goes, to be honest, no. I said, what do you mean? He goes, no, I, I, I don't really want to do that. I'm, that's not something that interests me. And my heart sank, and I'm like, my words don't get any more eloquent than that. Like, I can't, I was, I was dumbfounded. I went, I know that the power is in the gospel, not in me, like my own personality, but my gosh, that was a good gospel presentation. And if that doesn't work, this guy might be lost for a long time, or somebody else is going to have to come in and, and, and share the gospel with him, because I feel like I failed, right? And I remember I just was kind of struck by that. Still prayed for him. But then one day, a couple of weeks later, 
he's in my backyard and we're actually busy doing something else. I was building something and he was helping me with it. And, and uh, he comes in, he goes, hey, remember that thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago? And I'm going, uh, trying to think of all the things we talked about. He goes, you know, the prayer thing, the, the, the Jesus thing. And I was like, oh, yes. Yes, you mean becoming a Christian? He goes, yeah. He goes, I think I want to do that now. And I was like, oh, and my mind was so somewhere else. I just went, okay, so bow your head, close your eyes. No, you don't have to do that. That doesn't matter. Um, just repeat these words. And, and, and if, uh, if, if you're a sinner, but sin is, I just was messing up my words. I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth. I, I'm like, what is salvation? How, who is Jesus? Am I saved? What am I doing? And I just went, you know what? Just Let's just talk to God. I just, just said, Jesus, I need you. I love you. And that was it. I completely stumbled over the words. My words were not eloquent whatsoever. But my heart was set apart. I knew that my heart belonged to Jesus. And I knew I had a hope as an anchor for my soul. And what was important in that moment was not how good my gospel presentation was, but it was the fact that my neighbor had somebody who loved him, who loved Jesus, whose heart was set apart for God. My heart was not attached to the things of this world. And he knew that he wanted what I had. And so as I stumbled over my words, this young guy gave his heart to Jesus. You know, you may be looking for answers a lot like my friend, you may be in a season where the things that you thought were going to sustain you aren't there anymore. The things that maybe had become gods in your life have failed you. Can I encourage you? God loves you. If you don't hear anything else from this message today, I want you to know that God loves you so much. He's not looking for eloquent words. He's not looking for you to do all the right things. He wants to adopt you. You know, if you were a little baby sitting in an orphanage somewhere, there's nothing you could do to get someone to adopt you. It just takes the love of a father and a mother to come in and say, they've done nothing to deserve this, but I want them in my family. God's in the adoption business. He wants you in His family. He wants to give you the hope that you need to sustain through these difficult and trying times. I'm not here to say these times aren't difficult. We're not ignoring the realities of our present day. But I'm telling you that there is something greater than the stress and the strain that you're feeling right now. And it's hope. And Jesus has answers for you. All you have to do is reach out and receive that love from Him, and your whole life can change. You don't have to earn it. You can't deserve it. You just have to receive it. And so I want to lead you in a prayer today, if that's the desire of your heart. And my words aren't that eloquent, but the power of God to save and to heal and to restore you is greater than any words you've ever heard. I don't have to be the greatest preacher in the world. But I'm a beggar telling other beggars where to find bread. And today, I want to lead you 
to the Jesus who can change your heart and change your life and give you hope for today. All you got to do is pray with me right now. But set your heart apart. Decide right now that I want to respond to the love invitation God's given me through His Son, Jesus. And I'm going to set my apart. I'm going to set my heart apart for Him. You can do that just by praying a prayer. These aren't magic words, but this is just telling Jesus what you're doing in your heart. Come on, why don't you pray with me? Say, Jesus, today I set my heart apart for you. I confess that I am a sinner and that I need you. And I have fallen short of your glory. But I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. And I receive your love and your free gift of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know that if you prayed that prayer, hope has come into your heart. And it's a hope that not only sustains you, it not only change your, changes your perspective so that you see things differently, but that hope will change the things that you see. This world needs more people like you who have set their heart apart for Jesus and who are living as part of a kingdom that's greater than any kingdom of this world. Welcome to the family. We love you so very much. Please feel free to leave us a comment in the comment section. We'll be going through those and responding to them. We love all the comments that you've made. If there's anything we can pray about for you, please let us know. We have prayer meetings every day at noon, and it's lifting up a lot of these requests that people send in either through YouTube or through Facebook Live. If you want to catch all of our videos that are coming out on YouTube, you can like and subscribe this video. Uh, you can like this video and subscribe to our channel to make sure that you catch all the stuff that's coming out. But God loves you, and you have hope as an anchor for your soul. God bless you and have a great day.
For joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 